almost. You ever used that word before? Almost. It's it's a magical word. It's it's a word that, well, it 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 means you you are at the brink of doing anything. You're at the brink of being anyone. Almost. Almost. Like, for instance, I was almost a professional baseball player. I was almost a bishop in the Methodist church. I, I, I was almost a doctor. This was not of medicine, by the way. Doctor of philosophy. No, I'm just kidding. All right. But almost, you, 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 you probably use this word in many other places in your, in your life and, and in your world, but, but I'm wondering that, that maybe the, the best place to use this is probably to the listening ears is horrible, particularly for the kids in the car when you say, we're almost there, we're almost there. Or if you have been in a building project or a renovation product project in your home and you hear those words from the contractor, we're almost finished. Yeah, we're, we're almost, we're almost finished. And the last couple of weeks, you probably would have hated to hear the words, we almost have your air conditioner working, right? We, al- we almost, almost. We have, f- we have fun saying almost to anything. We have fun, but, but the place that we don't need to say it, the place that is pretty harmful to say it, is when we say we're an almost Christian. We're an almost Christian. In Acts 26, 28, King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul had been in prison for two years. Paul had, was, was awaiting trial, basically, because they, they were trying to kill him. And he said, wait a second, I'm a Roman citizen. And you can't, you can't crucify me. I'm a Roman citizen. So for two years he's in prison. Then, then he appeared before a guy named Festus. And then, then King Agrippa just happened to be coming through Caesarea and, and had heard uh, Festus was telling King Agrippa about Paul. And, and, and King Agrippa wanted the audience with him. Because Paul basically was requesting to go to Rome to appear before Caesar. And so, so Paul had this audience with King Agrippa. And what did Paul do? Paul told him his story. Paul shared with him about Jesus Christ, how he rose from the dead, and he had, and he had saved Paul, and, and this way is the way for life. And as Paul shared that story, and had this audience with the king, that's when the king said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Now, I believe that, that had, had King Agrippa and Paul had a sort of a more private audience, that there wasn't other people around at this time, there's a really good chance that King Agrippa would not have felt the weight of his, his office or, and felt the, the pressure from the people around him. And he could have, could have chance, had a good chance of actually going all in. But he was not there. He was almost, he was almost there. John Wesley said this, ever since the Christian religion came into the world, there have been many people in every age and nations who have been almost persuaded to become Christians. 
Ever since Christianity. In other words, ever since Jesus was resurrected from the dead, there have been people in every generation who are almost there. Who almost made that decision. Who almost made that leap. Who, who almost went all in. And not much has changed since Wesley made this statement about 275-something years ago. Not much has changed. We're, we're still having, we still have those people. We, we are in a post-Christian world right now. We're in a post-Christian world. We, this, our country is, about, is almost the last to, to get to that post-Christian culture. And we are having a whole lot more almost Christians today than we've ever had. And the reason for that is they keep seeing a whole lot of people who are almost Christians and thinking that must be what Christianity looks like. And so that almost Christians keep on multiplying and keep on replicating But Wesley made a point saying there's a reason he called them almost Christians. What is an almost Christian? An almost Christian is, is a person that, that has beliefs and, and, and characteristics that look really good. And, and, and it seems to be on the surface somebody that you would want to be. But these characteristics and, and these beliefs and the way this person acts is not much different than a person who doesn't believe in a resurrected Jesus, who doesn't believe in a God who is creator of us all. So, was almost Christian. There's some different characteristics. It seeks, they, seek just, they seek truth and justice, and, and we see this regularly. Most, most people would, would buy in to the idea we don't need to lie when then there needs to be consequences to bad actions, you know. Of course, people sort of forget. Well, where do where do, where did that moral compass come from to to have consequences? But that's another story, right? That's that's sort of the world we live in. A person, uh, almost Christian, also helps others. You don't need to believe in the God's word to help others. You just be nice and, and you, can, you can be kind. But the almost Christian actually will help others out of their abundance, not out of sacrificial giving. I got a little bit extra. It's not going to hurt me that I'm going to help somebody else. The almost Christian also appears to say and do the right things. Another way to say this, the, the almost Christian looks very good on the outside. This was the, the outward appearance. Looks to be godly, basically. And actually, the almost Christian, if the, if the Bible says not to do something, the almost Christian well, actually doesn't do it. They, they, just, they don't do it. They, they don't swear. They, they are committed to their spouse. Um, they, they don't repay uh, evil with evil. 
they're the, they turn the other cheek type thing. They try to live at peace with everybody. They don't seek revenge, you know. They live in the, the, the almost Christian lives in a way where, well, what's, what's that? Isn't that the golden rule? Do unto others as you have them do unto you? Almost Christian lives that way. Almost Christian also serves others. And, and they serve with this sort of mantra, whatever your hand finds to do, do with your might. Put everything into it. The almost Christian will work to serve others in every possible way. And get this, the almost Christian will actually encourage other people to follow the gospel, to, to, to seek to live out the gospel. The almost Christian goes to church, but actually doesn't worship. The almost Christian would go to converse with other people, but acts as if God is asleep during the worship, ser- worship service. The almost Christian prays. Almost Christian leads their family in prayer and even spends time daily in prayer. The almost Christian has sincerity. They have sincerity. This is this genuine inner principle of religion. Of religion. And, and this, this religion is really about avoiding evil because of punishment coming. If you do evil, you get punished. And so I want to avoid punishment, so I'm going to avoid evil. And, and I grew up and heard a number of times the whole deal about hell and you better straighten up or you're going straight to hell. So, so, I, I, so I, I'd heard that a number of times. And, and fortunately, the, the Christian church has figured out, you know, we can't scare people to heaven. It, it really doesn't work that way, right? So we respond in a way, with, with this idea, the almost Christian responds in a way to make sure that they are trying to avoid pain and suffering. And the almost Christian looks the part. They look the part. So, so they stay away from evil to make sure their conscience is clear. They take every opportunity to do good. This, the, 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 the almost Christian uses all the means of grace. And in fact, at this, this, this point that John Wesley said, this is me. He says, I looked the part for years. I did everything that I was supposed to do. I did everything that the Church of England said I was supposed to do. I said the right things. I did communion three times a week. I fasted. I prayed. I read. I looked the part. And Wesley admits he was an almost Christian. He was an almost Christian. And, and I know what some of you are thinking. What's wrong with, with all these? Actually, nothing. In, in fact, if you, if you went through that list and you were living that way and are living that way, 
you actually feel pretty good about yourself. And actually, there are a lot of people who respect you, who look up to you and point to you as an example that we, we should follow what they do. We should follow the kind of life that they're living. You tell your kids to look up to them. Watch what they're doing. Hear what they're saying. Do that. Do that, and you'll be okay. But what it really comes down to is not doing all these things, having these characteristics or beliefs, and doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and and believing that you're a Christian, and when Wesley says, actually, you're an almost Christian. But what it comes down to is actually motivation. Motivation. Or, or what's behind the words that we use? What's behind the actions that we are taking? What's behind our beliefs? You see, if, if what's behind all these things is something that to keep me from guilt, is, is, if, if it's something that, to keep me uh, or, or for me to just to feel good about myself, that's not the motivation that we're looking at. Because Wesley says the altogether Christian has another motivation. And the heart of it is actually three simple things. The first one is love for God. Love for God. What's, what's, what's the heart of the motivation for the altogether Christian? Love of God. That's the beginning, the beginning of the motivation. Matthew 22, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. When, 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 when he says this, when Jesus is, is saying you got to love God, he, he says not with a part of your heart or a part of your soul or a part of your mind. He says all. This has been mentioned many times from the lectern, the stage, whatever you want to call it. But the Greek word for all means all, right? There's, there's, there's no parsing of this word to make it mean anything different. It's all. Not part, not a percentage, but all. So we're loving God with everything that we have, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Jesus says, that's, that's the motivation. The motivation behind everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think about is loving God. Those who abide in love, God abides in them. The altogether Christian knows that they are nothing without God. It really is all or nothing. Because you know, you know what an almost Christian is? An almost Christian entirely misses heaven. 
but it's not just love for God. Was was the the next part say love for others? Verse 36, this is the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. But the second is like it. The second is like it. But the second, when he mentions second, it's really not one and two. It's one A and one B. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And who's our neighbor? The world. Everyone in the world. Did God create that person? That's your neighbor. If God created them, that is your neighbor, which means love your enemies. Love those who hate you. Love those who try to harm you. Love those who have nothing to do with you at all. Love. Love them all. Just as Christ loved us. Paul gives us an example. Gives us really a prescription of, okay, how do you do this? How how do you love like God loves us? How do you love like Jesus? He describes it's patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul tells us a lot about what we don't do for love, but reminds us that that love is seeking truth. Love is protection. Love is always hope. Love, Love will persevere over anything and everything. So love God and love others, but we can't separate because there's, there's one, a third one that Wesley talks about that is really the foundation. If we don't get this one right, it's going to be very hard to get the other two right, and that is faith. The faith is the foundation. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believed in his name, those who had faith, not faith in something, not faith in an entity, but faith in Jesus. That faith is that vic- is the victory that overcomes the world. Jesus says, for those, those who have this type of faith have passed from death to life. And this type of faith that, that we're talking about is a faith that produces repentance Love and good works. If, if, if your faith does not re- produce repentance, love, and good works, it is not genuine faith. In fact, it's dead. You probably hadn't heard, you probably heard this many times, but not recently. But the devil believes in Jesus. The devil, the devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes that Jesus was born of a virgin. The devil believes all the cool miracles that, that Jesus did. The devil believes that Jesus was truly God. Believe that Jesus suffered a painful death. And, and that death redeems us from everlasting pain. 
Satan and his demons believe he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. The enemy believes everything that's written in the Old Testament and New Testament. However, the, the devil and his followers, even though they believe it, do not have authentic Christian faith. The altogether Christian has faith and confidence in Jesus to save us from eternal death. A faith that our sins are forgiven and, and that we have that we can have a relationship with God, a relationship that is made right with God, that type of faith. And from this faith, we have a heart that loves God and obeys his commandments. The altogether Christian believes in the full sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And God's power within us, if, it's, if God's power is within us and in us, it, it gives us the power to get rid of the things that we don't need to have. Pride, lust, unrighteousness. When we have God's inner presence in our hearts, our hearts will be filled with love for him and for all people. This is a heart that obeys God and is willing to be spent for others. See, it's not just a private faith. It is a faith that is lived out in our community, in our world. And you know what happens when we live out that faith in the world? A faith that produces good works that, that let, leads us to repentance. You know what happens when we live that faith out in the world that we live in today? We will be mocked. We will be insulted. We'll be called things that we are not. And because of the presence of God in our life, because of the presence of the Spirit in our life, we accept it. We accept it. I hope we don't accept it as a badge of honor, but just understand of the world that we're living in that this is the way it goes. This is the choice that we've made. This is, this is what happens when we go all in. We love God with all we have, and we love others because of our faith. See, are you a living testimony of what it means to be an altogether Christian? So, so are you a person who seeks truth, truth and justice, who helps others, who appears to say and do the right things, who serves others, goes to church, who prays, is very sincere, and, and looks the part of a follower of Jesus? But... You're doing this with a sincere intention and great desire to please God in every area of your life. See, that's the difference. 
the difference between an almost Christian and altogether Christian is a desire to please God. To, to give God glory in every area of my life. Do you desire nothing but him? Do you desire nothing but him? He, he, is, he is in our midst and, and we were reminded that we should call on him while he may be found. And remember what the psalmist says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him, those who are in awe of him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. It's time to quit being almost and commit to being altogether 